Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to Episode 1 of Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, where we look at mysteries, both supernatural and natural, anything that's strange, odd, or makes you wonder. In this episode, we'll be talking about ghosts. Uh, I'm Don Bettinelli, and joining me today, of course, is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. I'm excited for this new podcast we're doing. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the podcast itself before we get into our, our first topic. Um, that uh, you know, why we're doing it and why what you know why it's called Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. So what's what's this podcast about, Jimmy? Um, well, as you explained in in the opening narration, it's about uh, both natural and supernatural mysteries. I've been interested in like m- numerous people. I've been interested in the mysterious for a long period of time. I mean, basically all my life. And uh, over over the years, I've done a lot of reading about different types of mysteries, and uh, we're going to be talking about them here on the show. And uh, we're going to be looking at them from both a faith perspective and a reason perspective. We're not going to quickly dismiss things just because they sound strange. But on the other hand, we're not going to just credulously embrace everything either. We're going to try to uh, respect the level of mystery that actually is out there. I mean, coming from a Catholic perspective, God is infinite. His mystery is infinite. And he's put a lot of mystery into creation. Um, So we want to acknowledge that. We don't want to assume that everything in the world is just quotidian, normal stuff uh, that would flatten out the mystery that God's built into the world. But at the same time, We're aware that there are a lot of claims about things that don't stand up to scrutiny. Uh, God also gave us the gift of reason to sort these things out. And so we're going to be looking at things from uh, both a faith and reason perspective. And we want the show to be accessible to everybody, whether they're coming from a perspective of faith or not. And I think those are two things that really distinguish our show from others. There are other podcasts out there that you know, sort of look at mysterious phenomena of various sort. And, uh, and, and I, I like to think of this in just as a tangent, as sort of a throwback. If you're, if you're very old, like, like I am, you know, you know remember Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of, which I watched yeah. rapidly as a kid. So, uh, but, but what distinguishes this show is first that we come, that you and I both come from a Catholic faith perspective, right. um, but that we're also open-minded and, uh, and and one of the things that distinguishes you in in your uh, public work, Jimmy, is that you take a rational, reasoned, logical approach to things, whether it's faith topics, apologetics, or uh, Doctor Who, as we talk about in the Secrets of Doctor Who, or or in this topic, which we'll talk about. Uh, and so, uh, li- you know, the listener can expect to really get, um, uh, you know, a, a, a quick because we don't want to take too long on any one topic, but thorough. Uh, rundown of the claims, the counterclaims, and the different perspectives on each topic. And we're going to have a wide range of topics. That's what I'm really excited about. 
Yeah, we're going to be doing uh, paranormal things. We're going to be doing religious things. We're going to be doing ancient mysteries, ancient civilizations, uh, mysterious disappearances, true crime, uh, mysteries from the world of science, all kinds of different things. So yeah. I'm anxious uh, to to do those topics, and we'll be doing one per show. One thing, you know, you mentioned other podcasts, and there are certainly podcasts that come from kind of uh, – a Fox Mulder perspective of, you know, want to believe everything, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then there are also skeptical podcasts that are produced by skeptics who are frankly interested in debunking everything they can. And neither one of those is our agenda. We're somewhere in the middle. We want to be open minded, but we also uh, want to think carefully. Right. Uh, I want to believe, but I'm not going to believe everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. So let's uh let's then get into our first topic today, which we I mentioned at the top is ghosts. Yeah. Um, and uh I guess um what what is the what is the the primary claim surrounding ghosts? Well, obviously the way most people understand ghosts and there are differences in how they're understood. But one of the ways they're understood and the most common is that the soul of a dead person uh survives death. And can in some ways and some circumstances manifest uh, in a way that living people can perceive. And this manifestation can be in any number of ways. It could involve moving objects, physical objects. It could involve making physical noises, you know, famous bumps in the night and things like that. Inexplicable cold spots in a building. Uh, feeling an unseen presence, hearing a voice, having a, a vision or a dream of a dead person, um, or even making contact with dead people through things like seances and trance channeling. So, yeah, so uh, I'd say most people have probably heard, you know, various ghost stories. Uh, I mean, that's a that's almost a universal cultural phenomenon is, yes. is, is the ghost story. And it's often, you know, it's hard to, to, to say what exactly it is. Uh, you know the 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 uh um yeah and in fact yeah. it, i mean these appear in every culture every culture has a belief in the afterlife every it's a human universal and yeah. every culture has ghost stories i'm told that indonesians make really scary ghost story movies <laughs> but i haven't personally had the pleasure of seeing any <laughs> well and uh, uh i'm not into big scary movies but that might that might be interesting but uh but the uh, ghost the the ghost stories often have uh, common elements to them, which is uh, a restless spirit, uh, mm -hmm. um, someone who died, you know, maybe sometimes it's people who died violently or died with unfinished business or of that of some sort like that. So that there's a sort there's a common theme often in ghost stories. So, yeah, what's the skeptic say? What's the counterclaim against ghost stories? Well, there's kind of a couple of different directions that people go depending on uh, on their I guess their uh, predilections. One of them is uh, that all of these phenomena have purely natural causes and that all all reports of ghosts can either be chalked up to imagination or hallucination or the misinterpretation of natural phenomena or outright hoaxes. And so the idea from this perspective would be just there are no genuinely ghostly phenomena. Ghosts either do not exist, which is something that someone coming from an atheist perspective might might say, or 
if the souls of the departed do exist, they never make contact with us. They never manifest in any way that we can perceive. The other approach that some people take would be to say, well, ghostly phenomena are real, but it's all due to demons. It's not human spirits. It's fallen angelic spirits that are causing all these things. One of the one of the aspects of the when you mentioned uh, misinterpretation of natural phenomena, it, part of that could be natural phenomena that we are not yet aware of in our science. Mm-hmm. So because sure. someone could say, well, um, you say there's, you know, uh, uh, it's natural you know, that it's a hoax. But I, I definitely saw that object move on its own. But, you know, maybe there's some you know, something having to do with magnets or, you know, it's always, always comes back to magnets or something along those lines that some natural event that we're not aware of, we don't know of that could be causing um, either, you know, either a perception issue in, Mm -hmm. in, in, in us or actually causing something physical to happen. Uh, So I guess that's part of the natural phenomena uh, claim. Yeah. An an example of that that wouldn't involve invoking an unknown but natural force would be um, I remember reading about a a alleged haunting case in a hotel or something where people were hearing a mysterious knocking during the night. And skeptical investigators looked into the situation and concluded that the knocking was real. But what it was was uh, air bubbles in the water pipes right. that were under pressure causing this knocking noise due to temperature changes. Anyone who's lived in a, uh, a northern climb in the winters where, with old pipes in the house uh, know that it's not ghosts. It's the, it's the pipes knocking. They need yeah. to be bled. Uh, and everybody has, has you know, heard yeah. the bumps in the night as the house settles and the temperature yes. changes and things like that. Yeah, As a kid, we put an addition on our family home and for years, Years afterward, the house creaked and bumped at, at night. I mean, I'm sure it creaked and bumped during the day, but you don't hear it because of the normal activity of the family in the house. But at night, it, <laughs> as a kid, I was creeped out by the the creaking and bumping. Uh, yeah. One of the things we see a lot at, on TV is they, they you know, because TV is all about trying to entertain and 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 uh, uh, not inspire. Uh, I'm not sure of the word I'm trying to reach for, but infotainment. Infotainment, right? And and so what we have is uh, these ghost hunter shows, and mm-hmm. I've watched a few of them. And fr- frankly, the majority of them, you know, the phenomena that that they encounter uh, it consists of the camera bouncing around wildly while they say something is going on, or oh, there's a cold spot, or something like that. In other words, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen a uh, a visual evidence or camera evidence, uh, recorded evidence that's sort of definitive of one of these manifestations. So uh, yeah, the evidence seems pretty thin in that regard, especially on these shows. Right. But I have also known people who I feel are reliable witnesses, reliable people who, you know, don't seem hysterical or or whatnot, who have said I've experienced things along Mm -hmm. these lines. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I have too. Um, and, uh, people may know I'm a widower, And when my wife died, I noticed that quite a number of people had uh, what they felt were they would experience my departed wife's presence after she died. And I don't challenge that. I personally didn't experience that. I had what I had were dreams 
of my wife. And so I, I just even even today, more than 25 years later, I'll still have dreams about my wife. And I don't interpret those as ghostly activity because they, they're not consistent with with real life in that I'll dream that she's better. You know, I, sometimes right. I would dream she died, but then she got better. And that's clearly wish fulfillment. But other people, and I noticed it particularly happened with people whose faith was not as strong as mine, would say they felt Renee's presence after her death. And I don't challenge that because uh, it, it, precisely such people could be those who were in need of some kind of sign from the other side that there is something more. And so for all I know, God allowed them to have a genuine experience of her after she died. So let's talk about that faith perspective on on ghosts. Uh, you, you, you mentioned earlier that uh, some people reject the claim that there, that there can be ghosts uh, as we've defined them here uh, be, because they must be only be demonic. But is is that an actual Catholic perspective on there? Is that a, the, on, on what the possibility is? No, I think it's helpful to start with what the term ghost means and where it came from. Um, <clears throat> if if you're of an older generation, and I'm old enough that I remember this as a boy, uh, it was even more common in the generation before ours. Uh, people would talk about the Holy Ghost. You know, today right. we'd say the Holy Spirit, uh, at least in most circles. And this points to the fact that the word ghost and the word spirit are synonyms. The reason we have two words for the same thing in English is because, and we have that in a lot of cases, and the reason is that English is natively a Germanic language. It's related to German and Swedish and things like that. But the English were conquered by the French in 1066, and fr French is a Romance language descended from Latin. And both because of that and because of the evangelization of the English, which had already happened, you know, and Latin was the language of the church, um, you have this mix of Germanic roots and Latinate roots, either directly from Latin or via French in English. And um, so the uh, Germanic word geist is where we get ghost. And it means the same thing as the Latin word spiritus, which is where we get the word spirit. So a ghost and a spirit are the same thing. Uh, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Trinity. And each one of us has an immortal spirit, according to a faith perspective. Um, and so each one of us has a ghost. And in, if you look in some translations of the Bible, like the King James Version, it will say when Jesus died, he gave up the ghost, meaning he gave up his spirit. He died. His spirit left his body. And so um, it's a teaching of the faith that humans have souls that survive death. And so in that basic sense, ghosts are definitely real. Uh, the only question is whether or not they are they ever manifest in a way that the living can perceive. And here's where the Catholic faith in particular becomes relevant. Um, we would acknowledge in accord with the teaching of the church that God does sometimes allow, for example, apparitions of the souls of the departed um, that the, you know, Mary and the saints can appear 
in accordance with God's will to various people. So that would be, by definition, a kind of ghostly activity. Um, we even see this in the Bible. We see it in the book of Revelation, for example, where John in heaven sees the souls of the departed who have been martyred for their faith. And so he's having an experience of in a vision of the souls of the departed. So that's a phenomenon that's attested even in the Bible. But, but so, someone might say, okay, but that was when he was in heaven. We expect to see souls in heaven. Uh, what about seeing souls on earth? Um, well, he's obvious he's on the island of Patmos when he's seeing this vision. So he is okay. on earth. He's just seeing a vision of heaven. And that might be part of the explanation is, is you know, sort of if you want to begin with some sort of poetic language, that the veil between heaven and earth, between the, these two um, uh, faces of reality, however you want to describe it, it, it's pulled aside for a moment and you see a reality, a supernatural reality. Uh, yeah. In, in that. Yeah. Now, one thing a lot of people don't realize is that belief in uh, the soul kind of manifesting or at least hanging around on earth for a while after death was an ordinary part of Jewish belief in the first century. Um, one of the uh, most famous stories in the Gospels is the raising of Lazarus. And when uh, Lazarus is raised, it's on the fourth day after his death. And scholars have noted that John in the gospel makes a big point of the fact this is the fourth day. Um, he mentions that twice. He also mentions that Jesus, when he heard Lazarus was sick, deliberately delayed for two days before going to see him. And that is why he arrived and raised Lazarus on the fourth day. And you might say, well, why is that so significant? Well, because, um, and we have records of this from uh, other Jewish writings, it was a common belief that the soul remained on earth for three days after death and that the soul would go back and forth because they buried people the same day. They didn't have embalming in, in first century Palestine. And so they would bury people the same day and the soul would go back and forth between its the grave where it was buried and its home. And it would it would go back and forth, hoping that it could reenter its body. But then once the body started to decay, uh, it would realize that's not going to happen and it would move on. And um, and so by raising Lazarus on the fourth day, this would be an extraordinary miracle where it's not just reuniting a, a, a soul with a with a fresh body. Jesus is reaching into the afterlife and pulling back a soul that's already departed. So it's even more significant in that uh, th there was a general belief of the of the disembodied spirits among us. Um, and so by by waiting to the fourth day, Jesus is taking into account that belief and understanding. That's that's something that scholars have commonly pointed out on this passage. But even beyond that, the belief that spirits could manifest is something that we find uh in multiple passages, including among Jesus's own disciples. So if you look, for example, at uh, Matthew 14, 26, or at Mark 6, 49, we have after the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee and it's night and Jesus is walking on the water. This is the famous walking on the water incident. And he starts to pass them by, but they see him and both of the Gospels, both Matthew and Mark, tell us 
that they thought he was a ghost. So there was an expectation on their part that a phenomenon like this, doing something physically impossible, would be would be a, a departed spirit. We similarly see that on their part again. If you look in Luke 24 and you read uh, verses 37 to 43, we find uh, that after the resurrection, even though Jesus has physically returned from the grave, they don't believe that at first because they didn't expect the resurrection of the dead until the end of the world when they expected all of the dead to be raised together. So this idea of one person coming back bodily from the grave is something that was outside of their worldview. And so they resort to something inside their worldview. And at first they think Jesus is a ghost and he has to prove to them that he's not a ghost by uh, letting them handle him so that they can feel his flesh and bones. And he says a spirit has not flesh and bones and he eats fish in front of them. So they see his physicality and they realize he's not a ghost. But you know what he doesn't do is say, oh, come on, guys, ghosts aren't real. Right. The spirits of the dead never manifest to people. Doesn't say anything like that. Uh, instead, he doesn't challenge this belief in uh, in the spirits of the departed manifesting. In, and in we, fact, he, I'm sorry, he mm -hmm. speaks as if, you know, he, he states a fact about ghosts. Ghosts do not have flesh and bones. Like he right. like he states a uh, an accepted mm -hmm. fact about ghosts uh, as as, you know, as this is the way it is. Yeah. We also see uh, the widespread nature of this belief in the book of Acts. If you look in Acts 23, uh, verse 9, St. Paul is on trial before the Jewish ruling council, which was composed of two groups, um, the Sadducees, who actually did not believe in angels or spirits or anything like that, and the Pharisees, who did. And St. Paul talks about how he's had a manifestation of Jesus and the Pharisees uh, kind of step up for him. Uh, an argument starts between the two different groups and the Pharisees take Paul's side and says, what does it matter if a, if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? So, again, they're they don't they don't they're not believing that Jesus was raised from the dead, but they're prepared to acknowledge that a spirit could speak to a living person. Right. And by saying spirit or angel, they're making a distinction between the spirit a human of, and of, a non-human. Right. Yeah, exactly. OK. Uh, and so we yeah, go ahead. So we have good biblical evidence that this was, you know, part of the biblical worldview. It's not something that would be considered unexpected uh, based on the experience of the disciples and uh, the fact that Jesus didn't challenge them on this. So uh, with the souls that have that have departed, you know, they, they, they you know, when we die, we, our belief is that we go one of uh, two places, uh, uh, ultimately heaven or hell. Um, mm -hmm. and many of us will make us, if we're going to heaven, we'll make a stopover in purgatory to where, get cleaned up for heaven. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where, where is, where are these souls coming from? Uh, can they come from heaven, hell and purgatory? Um, it's, it, it's unclear. What we know for sure is that God sometimes allows the saints in heaven to manifest. Um, so that's, part of church teaching that's locked down. Uh, what's not as clear, it's at least it's not part of church teaching, is that souls in purgatory could manifest. But it's actually, um, it fits with reports down through the ages of souls that have manifested because a lot of ghosts seem to be in a, some kind of distress 
And there are reports of of humans being able to do things that in some way help them move on, you know, by tying up business or something. And that actually sounds something like purgatory. And so there have been accounts uh, down through the centuries of uh, souls in purgatory manifesting and perhaps requesting the prayers of uh, the living. Um, I remember reading one account years ago of like a nun who, a cloistered nun who had been inattentive during adoration uh, in the chapel in her in her uh, in her nunnery, and so as part of her purgatory, she was in, tied in some way to this chapel and was kind of making up for the adoration that she had not done properly on earth. She was getting that out of her system, and God allowed this to be perceived by some of the living sisters in that community as, I guess, kind of a warning to them. Hmm. Um, so that they needed to take their religious vows seriously. Um, so th- we do have reports of that. Some have speculated that even souls in, in hell could manifest in one way or another and potentially cause harm. That's not church teaching. And to me, it seems less probable than souls in purgatory manifesting in one way or another. Um, but it's not contrary to church teaching. So it's something I suppose a person could entertain as a as a possibility, but I don't have good evidence for it. You know, the souls in purgatory uh, aspect, there might be some a biblical indication of that in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, uh, Luke 16, 19. The rich man yeah. has mm-hmm. has died and he and he asks Abraham in heaven to send the this fellow Lazarus, different Lazarus from the other from the other mm-hmm. story. Uh, maybe, maybe may- not this, maybe not this different. Right. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know if that, if the Lazarus of Martha and Mary was a beggar. Um, yeah. But in, in any way that uh, he asks Abraham to send this Lazarus to his brothers. And some have speculated that just the fact that he can um, talk to uh, Abraham in heaven means mm-hmm. that he's probably not in hell, but is probably in purgatory. Uh, I don't know if that that's more speculative, but it, yeah, personally, I, I don't incline to that speculation. Um, the other argument that I've heard is uh, and people talking from one realm to another in the afterlife is a commonplace in this kind of literature. Um, but uh, the other argument I've heard is that if he was in hell because he asked Abraham to send Lazarus back so he can warn his living brothers about the fate that awaits them if they don't shape up. And um, that indicates he has some kind of love and concern for his brothers. And if he was in hell, he wouldn't have that. Um, There are two problems with that, to my mind. One of them is that, really three problems. One problem is that um, this is a parable. And so not everything in the parable necessarily corresponds to reality. And so you can't put too much weight on him really having love for his brethren. Um, The second thing is what hell excludes is the supernatural love of God, where you love God for his own sake and you love his creatures for God's sake. But you could still have natural affection for somebody. Um, The main problem, though, is this parable seems clearly to present us with the two fates 
of a human being, either salvation or damnation. And you radically take the edge off of that if you start saying, oh, this parable is about purgatory versus heaven, as opposed to salvation versus damnation. So okay. I'm not personally favorable towards that view, okay. but some yeah. people are. Um, okay. Uh, I, but I, but even then, I suppose if it's a it's a it's a sort of a, a asking for a manifestation of Lazarus mm-hmm. uh, in 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 you know uh, a spirit coming back as a ghost to warn his brothers. Um, so that that's sort it's a of possibility a, that's entertained in the parable. Exactly, although, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but the Bible doesn't completely. Um, sanguine ab- about all forms of communicating or connecting with the dead, correct? Right. And this is a big point in, it's especially made in the Old Testament. It applies today too, because it's an underlying principle. Um, but in the Old Testament, there were a lot of people living in the Holy Land before the time that the Israelites arrived and afterwards who were mediums or what we today would call trans channelers. And the idea was you could go to these people, they would contact the souls of the departed, and you could get information out of them, like in the 19th century spiritualist movement in England and America, or in in some of those modern TV shows where they have people claiming to contact your dead relatives and they tell you everything's okay and so forth. Um This practice, which is known as necromancy, uh, necros is the Greek word for death or one of the Greek words for a dead person. Um, And so necromancy is a form of magic where you call up the dead and it's specifically forbidden. If you look in Deuteronomy 18 uh, verses 10 to 12, one of the commandments given to the Israelites is there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination, a soothsayer, or an augur, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a wizard, or a necromancer, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And as an alternative to using these means for trying to get information about the supernatural world, God says, I'm going to send you prophets. So you're supposed to listen to the prophets. Do not listen to mediums or necromancers and so forth. And uh, we see a particularly significant example of what can happen if you do listen to mediums a little bit later on in the Old Testament. If you uh, look in uh, 1 Samuel 28, we have a story where King Saul, Israel's first king, is not having good luck, and he tries inquir- inquiring of the Lord, but he's he's been a bad king, and so the Lord is not answering him. And someone points out to him, hey, there's this medium at Indor, a town called Indor, uh, and we could go ask her for help. And so um, this is the source of the famous Witch of Indor story, which is where we get Indora, in the show Bewitched, Samantha's right. mother. Yeah, so she's apparently the witch of Endor all these years later. Um, but uh, in the story, uh, Saul goes to the witch of Endor and asks her to contact the spirit of Samuel, the prophet, who had been active earlier in Saul's reign and who had anointed Saul as king. 
And since uh, Samuel's a prophet, you could even argue maybe maybe Saul's trying to in some way comply with the requirement that you listen to prophets rather than mediums because he's summoning up a prophet. Right. And uh, and Samuel appears and says, why have you disturbed me? And he explains the situation and and. Uh, Samuel's spirit says, you know, I, I'm sorry, but actually you're doomed. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, so he, 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 bra- Saul breaks God's requirement about, uh, not consulting mediums and he ends up, uh, experiencing judgment as a result. Uh, now in interpreting this passage, some have looked at it and said, well, this couldn't happen. Uh, so this must be a demon. That is appearing. But the thing is, that's not how the text presents it. Uh, The text never hints that this is a demon. The way the biblical author presents this, this is the real spirit of Samuel showing up and announcing judgment on Saul. So in the Old Testament worldview, it is not assumed that this kind of thing can't happen. It's assumed that this should not happen, you should not consult mediums. And if you do, you're liable to experience judgment. Right. So uh, it, like the catechism um, in, uh, in in section 2116, entry 2116, it, it, I think, but based on Deuteronomy 18, it says all forms of divination be rejected. And then it lists them, recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead, or other fault practices falsely supposed to unveil the future, but it separates conjuring up the dead from recourse to Satan and demons, and and kind of presents it as conjuring up the dead is a thing people can do, just like recourse to Satan or demons, and those are separate things. Yeah. Now it's not asserting that that you can do those things. It's not asserting that you could really conjure the dead, but right. it's leaving that open. It's not saying it it doesn't happen. Right. Right. And but it but it lists it as a separate thing. Now just to kind of. Uh, there's a difference between conjuring up the dead or necromancy versus being presented with a phenomena. If you encounter Correct. a ghostly phenomena, that's different than, you know, you know, trying to have a seance or go to a medium or use a Ouija board or various tarot cards or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and one of the key differences, and this is illustrated in Deuteronomy, one of the key differences is are you trying to in to provoke such activity so you can get information? Right. Because that's really what God is warning them against. He's saying, you're going to listen to prophets that I'm going to send you, not these other folk practices. And those were ways that they could try to get information, either by divination, you know, like casting lots or something or reading horoscopes or contacting spirits or contacting demons or what have you. All of those are ways to try to get information and in some cases influence uh, the course of affairs. Um, So that's what's prohibited. But if God chooses to manifest to you or chooses to let a spirit manifest to you in some way, you're not doing those things. And so you're not violating the uh, the commandment here. Now, let's talk uh, a, a little bit about um, what happens if, if, if you have a ghostly encounter that is not an actual, the person that you're encountering, what if it is a demonic uh, phenomenon? And, and maybe, maybe a little bit, how do we tell the difference even? Well, one of the things that is discussed in uh, the Old Testament is that 
Uh, and the principle applies in the New Testament as well, where it's echoed in terms of testing the spirits that appear to us. Um, if they give you information that's contrary to what God has revealed, you know that it's a lying spirit. Whether it's human or demon, it's it's bad. It's a bad actor. It's lying to you, so ignore it. Um, examples of this would be to say, oh, hey, yeah, necromancy is perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, it's the spirits want you to have these messages. Okay, that's contrary to what is revealed to us in, in God's word. And so any spirit that shows up saying something like that or anything contrary to God's word, oh, yeah, that affair you're having, that's perfectly fine. You know, all of those things contrary to God's word are a sign that this is not a reliable spirit and uh, you need to shut down the experience as quickly as possible and uh, and pray. And you may even need to go further if it's a persistent phenomenon and seek assistance uh, from a priest or an exorcist. Mm. Well, is it if if the experience is scary, if we're frightened, does that indicate that it might be demonic in nature? It, it might, but the problem is that feeling is not a reliable guide in these matters. In fact, one of the things you see repeatedly in Scripture is when an angel shows up. The first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid, right. which is a sign that that people are afraid and uh, and they need to be reassured. OK, so so fear, like a, if it's a scary situation, something moving, whatever, does not necessarily mean it's, it, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a demon uh, in, in your presence, but certainly no. doesn't hurt to pray to the Holy Spirit and to, to to seek the consolation of of God and call on your guardian angel and that sort of thing either yeah okay so uh so i think that's pretty pretty much the the faith perspective from a reason perspective uh what what would we say about the the phenomena of ghosts well i think uh we'd say that a lot of the reported phenomena are in fact misinterpreted and do have a natural explanation you know the bumping air bubbles in the water pipes or the house settling or weird cold spots can be caused just by, you know, the way the ventilation is set up. Um, uh, similarly, people have, uh, you know, imaginations where they may imagine something happening. They could be in they could be hallucinating due to drugs or something. Uh, they could have a dream that doesn't like I, you know, still have dreams of my wife, but in those it's flagged as, okay, she died, but then she got better. So upon reflection in waking, I can say, no, no, that was just a dream. That wasn't her manifesting, but some people might have uh, a purely natural dream about a departed loved one that doesn't have an obvious flag in that way. And then they might conclude that this natural dream was uh, a manifestation of their departed loved one. On the other hand, maybe it was a, depart a manifestation in a dream. I can't rule that out either, but it could go either way. I think what's fair to say is that a lot of reports of ghostly activity do have natural explanations. And so uh, the bottom line for me is that, you know, ghosts are real, but and, and we should be open to reports of... Uh, 
ghostly activity, but we should also take a critical approach to them and exercise critical thinking and say, are there other possible explanations here? And I think uh, that's that's also uh, how our pr- approach is going to be to a lot of these phenomena that we're going to be discussing uh, here on uh, Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. So yeah, uh, so I think that that was a great first uh, step. We're going to put some links uh, to further reading and resources uh, in our show notes. So be sure to to check those out. Um, so this is our first episode, and we want to get this show out to uh, a large audience. If you enjoyed this, which I'm sure you did because you so you downloaded and listened, and this has been <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm hoping you did too. Um, please like. Uh, the 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 post on Facebook. If you find us on Facebook, uh, retweet it on Twitter. Uh, write a comment on the post uh, wherever you see it. Uh, subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Tune In. Uh, we're gonna try to get it in all those places. Um, and share that the the subscribe mm-hmm. link to friends. Um, yeah. Write a review. <laughs> If you're on, if you're seeing it on YouTube, be sure yep. and not just subscribe, but hit the bell button so you'll get notifications. Yes, yes, that uh, so you'll always see a new episode. Um, so just try to try to help us, please, get the the word out about this this new show, which uh, you're gonna love, and other people are gonna love it too. It's a lot of fun, um, and we're gonna have a, a great time. Uh, so what we'd like to do is, uh, I think that's it from from us on this. We'd like to know, what did you think? What do you think about ghosts? What do you think about what, what we had to say about ghosts? Uh, Maybe uh, you've had an encounter with one. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Uh, and, and so you can uh, let us know by going to sqpn.com or the SQPN Facebook page. Find the, the link to this show and put a comment under it. Um, or um, you can send us an email to mysteries at sqpn.com. Uh, in, uh, mysterious at sqpn.com. Sorry, mysterious. Yes, I mis- mistyped. Mysterious at sqpn.com. And uh, you could either send a written comment or you could uh, even using the voice memo app on your phone. Uh, I know uh, iPhones have it. And I'm pretty sure Android phones do too. Um, you could record your voice and hit the share button, which is uh, usually a little box with an arrow coming out of it, and, and, and share it to your email and email it to us that way. Because uh, we'd love to get your voice feedback uh, on the show. Uh, you can find links to our uh, personal social media and our websites on our show notes on sqpn.com. Uh, so until next time, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for uh, inviting me along to explore the mysterious world. Thank you very much, Dom. And uh, once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. <laughs>